and welcome to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. Here we go. One more episode of Soberholic Podcast. One more episode? Yep. Yep. Like, this is one more. Like, uh, not like the last one. Man, but I was like, like another one. Are we quitting? No, no. I hope not. Are you giving up on me? No. Okay. Uh, well, um, today we're going to be talking about some stuff. Well, actually, we're going to be taking some stuff we took from last week and continue the conversation this week. Last week, we began talking about this sobriety thermometer. Mm-hmm. And we can use a, a thermometer, like in, in a medical aspect, to judge whether or not a person is sick or not. And last week, talked we talked about maybe some sickness in our sobriety, um, and we talked about how we could be struggling in our recovery. Now, on the other hand of that, when you look at a thermometer, if that thermometer reads um, like a temperature below that baseline, like, you know, that you have a healthy temperature, then, um, you know, well, of course you're healthy. And if you are in recovery, there are some things, some indicators, I believe, that you can have that will show that you're having a pretty successful um, or stable recovery. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, these aren't guarantees. No, uh, now no. Let me let me go ahead and preface all this. These are not guarantees. If you've hit all these check marks, you're good to go. Because I don't think our recovery is ever guaranteed to us. No, and everybody's recovery is different, too. Yeah, of course. But, you know, for the sake of conversation, I believe there are things that would make you look or would appear to be a, a healthier, a stable sobriety. Fundamentals. There you go. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And there's 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 several of these. And I hope this is going to be a much brighter conversation than last week's. Because last week's was kind of gloomy, you know. <laughs> it's about all the failures. And this week's going to be more, to me, about the successes in recovery. And how things do look better when we um, are doing the right thing, when we're progressing in our recovery. Sure. Now, the first thing that I want to talk about is just, and, and for some, this may not be that that, that good, but um, in your recovery, if you're looking at a stable recovery, something, a successful recovery maybe, um, then you will become more responsible as a, just as a, you know, you will become a productive member of society. We talked about last week that this is one of the things that may indicate a struggling recovery is if you're not doing this. But if you are having a successful recovery, then you will become a, a more productive person. You will literally become more responsible. And what do I mean by that? Well, you're going to be paying your bills, um, yeah. you know. Or you're, paying taxes. Well, we <laughs> that's just talking been your about topic this. here lately. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually worried about my taxes, but yeah. the good thing is I'm paying them. Yeah. Well, you actually want. Well, you don't want to pay them, but you're willing to pay them. Yeah. I don't yeah. want. I don't want to. Yeah. I've I've not paid my taxes before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I want to. I want everything to be on the up and up. Of course, you know, and that's to me that's a sign of you know a stable a stable and honest recovery why is that important to me why do i believe that that's an indicator of a successful recovery is because like 
you're not having to hide from no one. Right. You know, I'm not worried about answering my phone. Even I get all these tons of robocalls. Uh, I don't worry about answering my phone and going, yes, Mr. Bose, we need your payment of so-and-so because you are delinquent six months on your credit card bill. Mm-hmm. I don't have those calls anymore. And so I don't have that fear of who's looking for me anymore because as you said, I'm on the up and up. Uh, another um, part of being responsible is just showing up to your work on time. Yeah. All the time when you're supposed to be there. Not cheating the time clock. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, there may be a little room. No, I'm just kidding. Nah. <laughs> Not taking a, a two-hour bathroom break. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, those are, those are indicators of being responsible, of making sure your children get to school on time, if their homework's done. All of those things show responsibility, not only for you, but even trying to be a, a better parent and those things. And so if you're wanting to, or if you're looking to keep a successful recovery, that's an indicator of just being responsible in all, all the areas of life that you, you know, are experiencing. Yeah. Being present for your, for your family and for your friends. And, you know, if, if one of your family members dies or whatever, be actually going to the funeral and being there and, and trying to be a, a, you know, a valued member that's, that's not, you know, just thinking about themselves and that's, you know, actually trying to, to, uh, you know, be of value to their family members and friends and stuff. There have been things that I've, I've done. I mean, my my little girl, my youngest, she does gymnastics twice a week for six hours a week. So there's two, three hour practices. Ooh. And, um, there's times I just don't want to be there. I'm just being real. You yeah. know, I love seeing her progress and do things, but there's times I just don't want to be there. But part of being responsible is just being there for her to see dad there. Mm-hmm. Cause there was so many times that, well, fortunately my kids haven't experienced that, but I, there's so many times that us in addiction, we're not present. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just about being present. It's being mm-hmm. a support to your family. And in my opinion, that's ways that we can be responsible. Yeah, definitely. And then piggybacking on, on that is, I, I think we talked last week about, you know, not being in connection with your, your recovery uh, community or your recovery network. I think one sign of a, of a stable recovery, recovery program is, always is being in contact with your recovery network uh responsibility your uh not responsibility your uh your sponsor i I put re i was trying to think of sponsor (laughs) and like responsibility kind of started coming out there you go anyway being in contact with your sponsor or accountability partners or whatever um on a on a you know, regular basis, I think is gonna is gonna be a clear sign that you have some type of stable sobriety. Um, you know, and and that that can occur in meetings. You know, that can that can occur outside of meetings too. But you know, something that I've you know we've talked about in the last year when meetings kind of went away for a while was like, are we okay? Mm-hmm. You know, are we? Is our recovery, is our sobriety like at stake here because we can't go to meetings because there's been this COVID thing? And I think asking ourselves that question, I think it was healthy because it helped us realize that like there is huge value in the community and in, in you know, 
working out and living out our sobriety and recovery with others because it is a we program. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, there's people who get sober without 12 steps for meetings all the time. Yeah. Now, for us, that's that's kind of foreign to us because that's not the way we got sober. But um, even in the conversations we've had, it's really about having those connections. If you're maybe you don't do a 12 step program and you're still trying to stay sober or work, maybe it's a therapist, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a, a close person, yeah. you know, whatever it is, you need to be using something. Um, it, the bottom line is if we're just depending on ourselves, then it's not working. If you're wanting to have a successful recovery, you're still using the tools, the people around you to progress. Yeah, because when you. When you're a part of a of a community, and and you know it could be a community of of people at church, a community, a faith community, or it could be your community, your recovery network at meetings or whatever. When you're when you're practicing your your recovery, your sobriety, and just life in general with others, it, it's it's a it's an act of humility in a way that you're 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 kind of laying out your life with theirs and you're living it out with them. And, you know, especially if you have accountability partners or a sponsor, you know, you're, you've humbled yourself to the point to where, you know, hopefully you've allowed them to be able to speak, you know, into your life and tell you, Hey, Hey man, you're, you're about to fall off a cliff doing this, Mm -hmm. you know? And when you open yourself up to, to others uh, and you're willing for them to help, you know, when you're able to let them help you, you know, then you can avoid a lot of pitfalls and, and from, you know, just running, running in the ground, which helps you to maintain a stable sobriety. One of the things that I've seen in my own life and in others as well is that um, if we're, if our recovery appears to be going better um and successful, then we are becoming more proactive than reactive. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is it's easy to just sit back and wait till the 31st of the month and uh, the bill come in and go, well, crap, how are we going to pay this? We done spent this month's money. Um, versus being proactive, well, you know that you only get paid so much, and so you put a little money behind, or you put it up, so that way when that bill comes in on the 31st, you can pay it. You know, that's being proactive um, and taking part in that. And that takes place on a lot more than just finances. But, you know, just as you mentioned about not having groups to go to, Rather than just saying, well, there's no groups to oh, go well. to. I'll just do my own thing. We figure out how to call our sponsors or, you know, mm-hmm. use our church group or whatever it is that we use different avenues to try to get a better result. And um, it's it's important for us to be able to figure out how to do those things to be more proactive than reactive because if, if we're just reactive, it's going to be a knee-jerk re- uh, decision that oftentimes is a bad decision because we react out of emotion or hurt feelings, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it just, it's not better. Whereas if you're being proactive, you're making decisions from a place of peace and, yeah. you know, where you can actually seek wisdom from other people about what you need to do in this situation. And it appears to me that that's always been the better of the two evils. Yeah. And I mean, w- with being proactive, like, I sometimes, you know, 
like I'll see some something coming down the pike in the future, you know, and I'll be like this 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 could be bad, you know. And then I I try to get out in front of it now. Um because I know I don't want it to become an atomic bomb later and be horrible, you know, to deal with. Uh I think this is definitely true with relationships too. Like I can't stand if I know somebody is upset with me. And I try to head it off, you know, um, before it happens or as soon as it happens or whatever, instead of letting all that stuff pile up and just exploding down the line. It's even like, I know you're in school and I've been there before, so I completely understand what I'm saying here is I know where you're at in in your position in school, there's times that you write a 30 page paper Mm. and that's not something you just kind of do in one evening. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of research and time that goes into that. And if you just wait till the day before it's due to begin, then that is a massive undertaking that creates tons of stress. And it may not even be capable of doing, but if you were to begin doing a little bit here and there, um, get your resources together, write a few pages here, take a break to think, it's a lot less stressful. And by being proactive and taking the measures to take the stress away, well, that makes you a better husband to your wife. Yeah. um, Because all that stress bleeds over into other areas of your life. Yeah. And the frustrations, it bleeds over to other areas of your life, which, you know, is a melting pot of disaster. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Procrastinating, man. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, being proactive is very important, uh, in my opinion. So, Another thing that may not always be true, but I believe in in my life it has become true, is that you begin gaining trust again in your recovery. Um, Those around you uh, begin to trust you. All these bridges, maybe not all of these, but for me, all the bridges that I had burnt have been repaired. And now this didn't happen overnight. Now let's be very real about this. It took a long time for my parents to begin to trust me again. And, but that was probably the biggest bridge and the most harm I had done to anyone was to my parents. And even though they're my parents and, um, have unconditionally loved me forever, it was always important to keep me at arm's length because, you know, well, I I had done them wrong so many times. But um, now I have, you know, I I have their trust. I mean, they told me the other day that they, you know, they had done a will for me and made me what is it got the power of Executor attorney now or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I have even over their health and stuff. So there's a lot of, I guess, um, power I have over them now later in life, and I, it's a blessing that, that my parents trust me enough mm-hmm. to do those things now. Yeah, and so I just believe that you know. I guess I'm backtracking here, but that's years, decade or so down the road before right. all that happened. Yeah, so it don't happen overnight, but things do begin to get better. Even you know your bosses begin to trust you. People don't even know maybe that you're an alcoholic anymore, unless the people you let them know because you don't have those indicators you know you're not always trying to manipulate the system yeah you know people people genuinely trust you again yeah uh uh, uh, a decent amount of times you know when somebody finds out my story they'll be like i can't even see you like that i'm like well that's 
That's good. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. Things are working. <laughs> then something good is happening. If you, they're like, I can't see you as being a, a drug addict. I'm yeah. like, well then, okay, yeah. I'm on the right track then. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, one, one little saying that I always loved was um, time plus consistency equals trust. Right. You know, and that it's just going to take being consistent over sometimes a, a long period of time before you earn the trust back of your friends and family and, and coworkers. And, uh, you know, that's not, that's not easy to hear when you first get, you know, sober or whatever that, Hey, this is going to take time and it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be a process and you're going to have to be patient. That's not what you want to hear when you are first getting so sober because you're used to instant gratification. And if you're like me, I wanted my soap, my sobriety and my recovery to be an instant gratification thing right. where I was just like, okay, I'm done. Okay. I'm cured, you know, and that's not the way it is. Well, another thing is, um, as Christians, we, you know, after you become saved, there's this, this churchy word called sanctification where we try to become more like Jesus is mm -hmm. really all it means. And, you know, as a believer um, and Jesus being my higher power, one of the things that I believe that I need to do, and anyone for that matter, is to become more like Jesus. Now, even if you're not a believer and you choose to, to have a different higher power, I believe that all of us need to be working to be someone better. Mm -hmm. um, now, what do I mean by that? Well, in our last episode, I mentioned that I've kind of been around a different group of people that I've been cussing a lot more. <laughs> well, cussing itself is not horrible compared to shooting up dope. Sure. It's nothing. Go ahead and cuss. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a I piece mean, of cake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but if I'm comparing myself to my standard, which is Jesus, then it's wrong. Yeah. Um, so I need to get, I need to do more better with that. As, as what, do more we, better. we say that at my house all the time, do more better. <laughs> and, um, so uh, it's kind of like this for me, whether you're a believer or not, would I want my kids to cuss like that? Well, for me, that answer is no. Um, I want them to be respectable people around everyone else. I mean, so I, I want to do better with that. And so, if I'm trying to be better and be a better role model for my kids and to my God, role model to my God is probably not the best no way, way to say that. Back up. Uh, <laughs> but you get what I'm trying to say. Live there. up to a standard. Yeah, there you go. Um, to be holy like your God is there, holy. There you that go. works. Yeah, uh, it was hard to compare the two. But, you know, I'm trying to be better. Um it's not good for me to have this double standard to my children saying, well, it's okay for me to do it. You do as I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. I, I don't believe in that today. There was a time that I said that. And I may even say those words from time to time, <laughs> you know, because I get frustrated with them. But um, I, I do genuinely try to live a life that they can say, well, Dad, I want to be like you. Yeah. Because there was a, a time that my life would not reflect that. I would not want my kids to be like me. And today, I hope that they do turn out to be like me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, always striving. This goes back to just the whole, you know, just always wanting to be progressing. You know, we're never going to achieve perfection here. Um, but if we're not trying to grow spiritually, you know, whether you believe, you know, um, in Jesus or not, um, you know, growing spiritually, I think, is is a, is a good sign of um, – you know, a stable recovery. 
selflessness is one thing. It's really one of the indicators of what we're just talking about. But to be more specific about it is, you know, as our 12th step talks about is, is helping the other one, carrying the message. We need to figure out a way to help other people. If we have now in our recoveries reverted back to it, it's all about me, then it wouldn't be a good place. And so if we find a successful recovery, as well as we can talk about a successful recovery, you will typically find someone who is willing to help other people. That doesn't mean just in a in a 12-step program. It no. may be helping in your community. It may be helping at a food bank, helping the homeless. It may be giving money to a charity. Whatever it is, there is a way that you are getting out of yourself and helping someone else. And, you know, we've talked about numerous times on the show why that's so beneficial. But when we're helping other people, we're thinking less of ourselves. When we're helping other people, we see that our problems aren't as big as we're making them because there are other people going through bigger problems than we are even going through. Yeah, and that's that, that's the beauty of recovery um, is the fact that we can use all that we've been through and take all that that garbage that we went through, that trash we went through, and then God you know, can turn it into a treasure by – us using him using all the things that we've gone through to help somebody else to help the next person because that's that's just the way recovery works it's passed down you know that when somebody you know I, i remember sitting down uh with the very first time i ever met with a sponsor to do 12 step work like we met for like two hours or something on like a saturday and I was sitting there thinking, like, what is the catch here? Why is he doing this? Do I I mean, for free. Right. He's up here on his own time, just helping some crazy dude that just has been sober for two months that's only half sane at this point. And, you know, he just I asked him, I said, Why are you doing this? And he was like, Because it was done for me. You know, he was like, This is the way it is. He was like, This is the way, like the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, it also shows at that point in time, you were a very selfish person because it was all about personal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just personal motive. What's yeah, in like, it for me? Man, uh, and I, I was this exactly the same way. But um, to give an example of today or, you know, this period of time, my wife has kind of had some health issues. And so we've kind of figured out how to try to figure out how to navigate this. And, you know, there's, there's times you just feel like you're all alone. It's just us going through these problems right now. And the rest of the world don't care, and we're, we're all by ourselves. You know, that's just kind of the mindset that we've had lately. And then I talked to a sponsor I haven't talked to in a while, and he was actually calling me, telling me what, what he had been going through and a lot of things that happened in his life. And in a lot of ways, it was worse than what we were going through. And... He said the words. He said, "Well, Roger, it's good to know that I'm not going through this on my own. You know mm-hmm. that he's got problems and I've got problems, and mm-hmm. so it, he he kind of felt like he was on this deserted island too. Mm-hmm. And I felt the same way. But when we talked to one another, we realized that you know this is just part of life. We're having to figure out how to navigate those things, and it was good to have some other input into our life to know that we're we're not all alone. Um, and it was." It was it was really we even though I was his sponsor, he helped me just as much as I as I helped him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, 
you know, some of the other things, uh, of course, uh, to have a successful recovery is cops are no longer a big issue. In your life. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. the court. Although yeah. the court can linger around for a, a while. very long time. The court, yeah. uh, I, yeah, I've, I've had the court thing pop back up, you know, years later and be like, Oh, we forgot this charge. Oh, here you go. You pay all this money and you'll be done. And I guess the court stuff is technically still going on with, for me with my application for a pardon, so, but it's not, I mean, but that's different. That's in a good way. I did, I did that on purpose. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I was 10 or 12 years sober and we were in the process of getting custody of my niece and nephew. And of course, DHR comes out to do the inspections and all of that. Well, my wife and I had had previous run-ins with DHR um, <laughs> over getting custody of her kid back and um, which is my stepson. And she had he, she had had multiple run-ins with DHR previous to me meeting her, and so they came to our house and was doing their inspection and all, and we said, "Yeah, we're both in recovery." And so after we sat in front of the judge and everything else to get custody of our niece and nephew, she goes, "Well, we we think that you'll be a good fit for them," and we both looked at each other and said, "You." We're, we're we're both like i'm a felon <laughs> yeah and we're both drug addicts and but that just shows the difference in the two we did have a run-in with with the law but it was like they were on our side this time back in the day i always felt like they were against me like oh, they yeah. were they were after me yeah oh, but yeah. oh those cops in that city are horrible no that's just where i did dope yeah. and you know your your windshield is busted out of your car there is air blowing through your windshield from you're running where, you ran through a house you ran you ran your car into a house yeah. <laughs> that is the reason they know you and that is the reason they pull you over it's a pretty good chance you've got dope in your car yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i went through that for a lot for a long time but then like i remember i remember there was one time getting like there was one time where i got pulled over and the cop started uh he he was like hey he was like license registration and and then he realized who i was and knew me and he was like all right mr rice just go ahead and step on out of the car and i was like you know what let's just go ahead and go (laughs) i just put my hands together and was just like go ahead and cuff them i know where i'm going yeah and I wasn't even mad about it because I knew, like, you know, that was the way it is. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I, although the court stuff can linger around for a while, if you're, you know, if you're on the right track and you have stable sobriety, cops shouldn't be anything on your mind. You know, it shouldn't be something you worry about. Mm-hmm. And thankfully now, you know, it's, it's, it's not. And it's the miracle. It's a miracle in and of itself that all that stuff is, is, is behind, you know, cause there was a time, there was several years where I was like, I will always be going to court for the rest of my life. I, d- I didn't think I was ever going to get out of yeah. it. You know, I had cases that lingered on for years, <laughs> yeah. years. And that was all by my attorney. I'm like, I, I don't care. Just charge me. I don't just put me in jail. I, I just want it to be over with. Be over with. Yeah. But so anywho, well, those are the kind of the indicators we believe um, that would possibly look like a successful recovery, a stable recovery, and certainly not a struggling recovery. Those are the things that I hope that you begin to see in your life. And if you're not, then possibly listen to our last episode yeah. and see why you're struggling. And a lot of those are the nice step promises, you know. Um, won't have any fear of, you know, 
economic insecurity and all that stuff. You go read the ninth ninth step promises. That's it. Well, I, I thank you for another good one, man. It's good to sit down and talk about these things because it reminds me how far God's brought me because I don't seem right now today, I seem to have a more stable recovery than a struggling recovery. And it's when I keep this gratitude like this is usually when I, I have a better recovery. When I forget it, then I fall back into that other episode. And I, I just don't like being over there. No, nah, let's not be over and, there. And, and I know it's going to come again. Yeah. But thankfully, I've got guys like you that help me through those things. And, um, you know, my recovery groups and uh, certainly my higher power that helps me through these difficult times. And I'm willing to use them today. And that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, me too. I feel the same way, man. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the close of one more episode. And my name is Roger. I'm Jason. And we're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics. Soberholics.